emotions and feelings are valid. They deserve validation. They deserve to be seen. They deserve to be held and acknowledged. And they are not necessarily evidence for what is real in life. They are not necessarily objective guide points for what's actually going on. to another episode of Unstarved, a podcast to help you take ownership of what you are hungry for in life. In a world where we've been groomed to restrict and deny ourselves of what we want and need most, here we reclaim our desire to be satisfied physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. My name is Emily. I'm a coach, nutritionist, and insatiable learner. Here, I share content and interview guests that touch on topics such as gentle nutrition, body positivity and acceptance, mental health and mindset, relationships, emotional intelligence, healing, self-care, and more. I upload every single Wednesday, so if you enjoy this podcast, please remember to subscribe on your preferred platform so you never miss any future episodes. To connect with me, you can shoot me an email, follow me on Instagram at emily.unstarved, or use the link in the show notes to work with me for one-on-one coaching. I do meet with all of my clients remotely, so wherever you happen to be in the world, we can connect. Hello, everybody, and happy spring equinox. Today is the spring equinox when I'm recording it. And by the time you hear this episode, if you listen to it on the day it's released, it'll be very fresh into the equinox. So whether you are entering autumn or the spring, happy equinox. I always love these times. They're very symbolic of transition and change and flow and coming into higher levels of ourselves and higher levels of awareness. And I get a lot of value out of embracing the cyclical nature of life and how it shows up in both the large and small ways and how if we learn to embrace that, we can get so much out of it. So that's another episode in and of itself. But I wanted to talk today about what I mean when I say that positivity isn't always toxic. Because the term toxic positivity has been very trending for a long time. And it's understandable. Like there's a lot of toxic, truly toxic positivity, especially in the spiritual space, especially in the mental health space online, the per- the personal growth space, the wellness space, toxic positivity, especially for a while, it really had its claws in, in the online space and just in also personal relationships. It needed to be called out and I'm so glad it did. And sometimes I think we might have pushed, and I know I have, let the pendulum swing so far in the other direction where I start to forget that not all positivity is toxic. And there is a part of being well that involves consciously moving ourselves through negative emotional experiences to positive ones. And if we do that correctly, There's no part of that that is toxic. And our desire to elevate ourselves out of a lower place into a positive place does not mean that we are being toxically positive towards ourselves. The only reason or the only way that we can be toxically positive is if we gaslight ourselves or other people into thinking that their emotions are not valid or that their emotions can simply be ignored. And 
forcing ourselves and others to prematurely lean into the silver linings of situations when their emotional needs have not been met. But there is a way for us to meet our emotional needs, to meet our needs and to take what we've learned from these experiences and make changes in our lives to come to a more positive place. There's a big difference between those things. And so I think this is important to point out because I've had, I've been thinking a lot about this lately about, especially when I'm feeling resistance against getting myself out of a low place and feeling like, well, maybe I just need to embrace who I am in this moment. And I just need to, you know, accept this. And like, yes, (laughs) that's definitely true. You know, be with ourselves, be present with ourselves. But, you know, ideally we would want to get to a better place and that's totally okay. So that's kind of the umbrella takeaway that I have for this episode that positivity isn't always toxic. And what I want to do is I want to show and give some examples of how we can move from a lower place to a higher emotional state in a way that honors ourselves, that honors where we are, that honors our emotions, and in a way that empowers us to elevate ourselves out of those states. So if this is of interest to you, definitely keep listening because this is something that I feel, I don't know, I think it syncs up too with this time of the year going into spring. You know, we go in, in the winter, we, uh, we go more inward, we go into more of a hermit phase. It's very instinctual to do that. Animals do that. Bears hibernate. You know, we kind of go into our caves. We, we eat more, we sleep more. The days are shorter. Everything in nature supports that more inward direction that we take. And ideally, in that time, we would have learned a little bit about ourselves. We would have been able to assess the previous year, see where the ways that we've grown, see the ways that we want to, you know, improve ourselves a little bit, kind of take stock. And now that we're coming into spring, whether or not you're coming into spring or fall, like you might be moving more towards that direction of inwardness. And maybe you're coming out of that more extroverted time of the year. Either way, this is still going to serve you because, you know, we we all have our seasons within seasons as well. So right now, you know, being in the Northern Hemisphere, I feel very connected to enhancing my life with just more light and seeing all of the growth that happened and all of the learning and self-awareness that I gained in the wintertime be applied for the purposes of having higher levels of joy and fun. You know, the days are going to get longer. Ideally, hopefully in California, we start to have a little less rain. It's such a silly thing to complain about. (laughs) But, you know, we'll have more sunshine, some warmer days coming up. And I think this is a good time to talk about this, like how to be positive, how to do it in a way where we're not gaslighting ourselves or gaslighting other people, how to hold space and feel better. So the first thing I want to say is that emotions and feelings are valid. They deserve validation. They deserve to be seen. They deserve to be held and acknowledged. And they are not necessarily evidence for what is real in life. They are not necessarily objective guide points for what's actually going on. Most of the time, if we are having an emotional reaction to something in our life, yes, part of what's actually happening in the moment is probably serving that emotional response, but a lot of it comes from previous experience and previous ideas of what things mean and applying it to the current reality. So, you know, as an example, if you are in a relationship and 
your partner has a lock on their phone, you might make that mean that they must be doing something breaching the trust of the relationship because maybe in the past you've been cheated on. So seeing that lock on their phone could trigger feelings of insecurity, of doubt, of abandonment, of shame, of sadness, of anxiety and fear. And we can, without realizing it, feel all those emotions and say, okay, if I'm feeling this way, there's a reason for it. Something's not right. And this is where we can take what is something seemingly not problematic and make it mean something so much more. And if we act from that space, you can kind of see how it can cause some issues in our life, right? Especially because some people just have locks on their phone. Sometimes people just value their privacy and the things that they are searching or the ways that they use their technology in a way that is of no threat to their relationships. So this is really the example I wanted to like lock in because I think it paints a really clear picture of how we can let our emotional response to what's currently happening dictate how we view what's currently happening. So ideally in that moment, if we are living in the awareness that my emotions are valid and they're real, they deserve to be seen and held and worked through, and they're not necessarily evidence for what's happening right now, that leaves us with some action steps, some things that we can actually do in that moment. So, you know, what do we do to soothe ourselves? We don't need to see our feelings as evidence for what is real in order to honor them. You know, just because you're feeling fearful over something that maybe objectively isn't really a big situation doesn't mean that that fear is any less wor- worthy of being seen to and held and worked through. It doesn't mean that it's any less uncomfortable. So we're not gaslighting ourselves and saying like, I shouldn't feel anxious. I shouldn't feel fear because it's there. You have to deal with it. It's part of, it's part of your story. It's part of, you know, these emotions are coming up as an indicator of what is available to be healed. That's the beauty of relationships is those triggers often are gateways to healing. You know, so how do we soothe ourselves through those moments? How do we hold space for that? You know, sometimes it's just a matter of sitting with it, not taking action from it, just sitting with it, feeling that fear, feeling that anxiety, asking ourselves, when was the first time I felt this way? You know, what did that feel like? What meaning am I deriving from this? But really, it's a somatic experience. We have to feel it within the body. And that's the kind of, that's where I feel like a lot of the discord can happen because when we are reacting from our emotions and applying it into action in our life, we are using our brains to create meaning from something that's happening in our body, an emotional response that doesn't have, oftentimes doesn't have like a logical thing behind it. (laughs) It was just triggered. And so, it, there is a part of it where we do have to learn to come back into the body. Things like breathing exercises, meditation, grounding, dance, even journaling, you know, that brain dump method where we just kind of journal it out, write it out, get into our bodies, let ourselves feel what's happening. And those emotions move through us a lot f- faster than we think that they will. You know, and that's the thing is emotions at the end of the day, they just want to feel seen. They just need to feel seen. They need to be felt. But we're so conditioned to not want to feel those tough feelings because it is scary. You know, if we're not, if we aren't practiced in that, we might not know how quickly we can move through them and we might not necessarily have the confidence and believe that we can. And I mean, it's fair. Who wants to be in a low place? No one wants to feel that way. Like it's completely you know, your your fear in wanting to 
really step into that is valid. And any actions that we take are usually to stop the feeling, right? You know, so in the case of the phone, it's like, you know, check the phone. You know, we have to see that there's nothing there so that we feel better so that I, this anxiety goes away. The thing is the anxiety very rarely goes away as a, as a result of doing something like that. Usually the actions that we take from those spaces are compulsive and they're not, they don't actually make us feel better. Inevitably, they oftentimes make our situations worse. So we really have to sit with those emotions sometimes and give ourselves that space, honor them, hold them. And then when we do that, they can move through us so much faster and then we can come to a more grounded place. And that's when we can look at the situation more objectively. We can start to assess and say, okay, the first time I felt this way was when my boyfriend in high school cheated on me with my best friend. You know, in what ways is that situation different from now? In which ways am I unfairly projecting that experience onto my current situation? Because really all I know, the only piece of real evidence I have for anything, if you can use it as evidence, is that there's a lock on the phone. That's it. There's so many reasons why someone can have a lock on their phone. But I am applying the meaning being that there's a lack of trust, that there's a breach of trust happening. It must be that. You see how we kind of, we get really tunnel vision when we, when we make meaning out of things from an emotional space. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be completely devoid of emotions and then the super zend out place when we start to work through these things. It's not as black and white as that either. But we have to try and find a balance to that however we can. So to contrast what I just said, what I was just talking about with what I think would be toxic positivity would be seeing that our partner has a lock on their phone, feeling those feelings of, of fear and anxiety and panic come up and us telling ourselves, don't be stupid. Don't be dumb. He's different. Like move on. Right. Or we tell a friend about it and they say, you're just being crazy. You know, don't, it's fine. Everything's fine. And then we try and kind of just like move through, just trucking through, suppressing those emotions, telling ourselves that there's nothing wrong. And although at the end of the day, it might be true that there's nothing actually bad happening, we're missing the opportunity to do the healing work. That's where the toxic positivity is. So that's what we want to avoid doing. So it's not about, so it's on one end of the pendulum, we would be completely just not working through our emotions, but letting them overcome us and just being my, you know, kind of giving them too much credit for highlighting something in, in our lives and taking action from those points. And then the far other side of the pendulum, which we want to avoid too, is that toxic positivity side where we have the feelings, but we tell them that they're not valid, they're not right. And so we just ignore them. The sweet spot's in the middle. So just like I said, we feel our emotions, we hold presence for them. We let our that part of ourselves feel that initial that initial pain, let it move through us, and then we allow ourselves from a grounded space to address the situation at hand. And I know I use the the example of the lock on the phone and maybe the situation in your life is not quite as benign or anywhere near as benign. Maybe it is an objectively bad situation. You know, maybe you do actually find out that your partner has been cheating on you. The the way that we can approach it can still look the same way though, holding space for those emotions, letting them process, you know, putting aside the meaning of anything for a moment and just letting us feel that pain, and then we can make healthy choices from that point. 
And it doesn't mean that we don't take action from that our emotions have alerted us to. You know, our emotions, you know, I know I said like, don't take action from an emotional place, but our emotions do often let us know when something isn't right. You know, there's a lot to be said for experience. You know, it, we learn, we do learn through our experience. So if we've been cheated on before, like we actually might have more awareness about what to look out for in a current situation, or we might have more awareness about a boundary. So if something happens again, you know, those emotions can cue us in where it's like, oh, this is a path I don't want to go down again. But that doesn't mean that we, that emotional processing and that holding space has to happen in order for us to really take a grounded approach to whatever the situation might be. So whether it's an objectively unideal situation you're dealing with, or one where, you know, it might just be more of a genuine trigger. Either way, we have to learn how to get back into our bodies. We have to learn how to process and feel what we're feeling so that they can move through us, so that they can inform us properly, so that we can have that self-awareness to understand a boundary that's being crossed, understand our story, understand the direction that we want for our lives. There's so much to be gained from just getting into the body and feeling them. And, you know, another really important thing about that too, is that if we're going through a hard time right now, a newly hard time that's triggering so much, you know, different emotions in us, allowing ourselves to feel it, it helps it so we're not carrying them longer than we need to. Because what resists persists, like just because we're not allowing ourselves to feel something, that emotion doesn't just dissipate into nothingness. It stays locked into our bodies in a very, very like visceral, tangible way. This is why people can get a massage for the first time when they're in their 60s and the, the, the therapist can hit a certain point and someone can have a huge emotional outburst, whether it's crying or yelling or anger. That is suppressed emotion from God knows how long being triggered simply by being touched. So when we get into our bodies and allow ourselves to feel things fully, we're able to really harness our emotions for the value that they provide us. You know, it's information about in the ways that we're hurting. It's information about what our boundaries might be. It lets us know that something isn't right. But we have to feel them in order to know exactly what we have to do next. Because if we don't feel them, or if we act from a very emotionally charged place, it's very unlikely that we're going to be taking steps that are necessarily as helpful as they could be. That's been my experience is that I tend to make better decisions for my life when I take the time to really get down into my body and feel what's going on and hold space for it. And take away any sense of urgency to solve the problem immediately just because my emotions are so unpleasant and I want them to go away. And that urgency, I think, can cause us to make some some moves that oftentimes don't help us out, can make things worse. So it's kind of like parenting ourselves, like soothing ourselves like a parent would. You know, like a good parent wouldn't just watch their kid get pushed down on the playground and get really upset and immediately go and like, you know, start punching out the other kid, right? <laughs> a good parent would intervene, soothe them, you know, help them get to a more grounded place so that they don't take action from that space that could end up being harmful, more harmful to themselves and other people. That's that reparenting that we do for ourselves. And, you know, from that example, a good parent might then guide the child about, 
you know, how do you, how do you communicate your needs? How do you stand up for yourself in a way that is productive and helpful and empowers you, you know, versus reacting? You know, how do you respond versus react? Basically, I really like the, the difference in tone between those two words. So basically, you know, sitting with our emotions, allowing us soothing ourselves before we take action. That's how we respond to life intentionally versus a reaction that may or may not, you know, maybe we get lucky and sometimes it is the right thing to do, but it may or may not be the right thing, the the right way to respond. You know, how many times have we said something out of anger that we immediately regret, you know, and you can't put certain things back in the box. We can't, there's some things you can't take back. And so, I I think we I would much rather and I know all of you would much rather be in a state of responsiveness. But in order to be a responsive person versus a reactive person is we have to learn to respond to our emotions and respond to our own needs. So to kind of circle it back to the the not all positivity is toxic. This is where we can start to then enhance our life with modalities, methods, and mindsets that do help us to adopt healthier, more joyful, happy-oriented, empowering mindsets about situations that have triggered us before. But we can't just layer that on top of an unfelt emotion. Otherwise, that discord is just going to make us feel unseen. It's going to make the emotions even more powerful. And it's probably going to cause us to inevitably be even more reactive (laughs) than we would have been otherwise. So, you know, if we take that time to feel our emotions to a point where we just feel that groundedness start to sink in, it's like, okay, that sucked. And, you know, we've had a good cry. We've had a good, we've yelled into a pillow. We've stomped our feet. We've done what we need to do where we just let those emotions move through us without taking action on them. We come to that more grounded space. Now what? Now what do I need to do? could be very well likely that we might need to have a conversation, a hard conversation that we've been avoiding. We might need to set a new boundary. We might need to make some big changes in our life. You know, it's a, sometimes I think that our emotions, when we don't move through them, it can cloud us from feeling empowered to make the choices that would get us out of certain situations. I think this is where we can really come out of feeling like a victim and start to feel more empowered and actually start to say like, I don't want to keep feeling like this. And I'm going to start to actually make some changes to do that. I don't think we can really do that for ourselves until we feel our emotions, until we really work through them. So, you know, what are we learning from this experience? Does something need to change? Does a boundary need to be set? Or do I, is there simply room to adopt a healthier, more productive mindset? You know, am I, am I tapped into gratitude very often? Or am I more often seeing the glasses half, dem- half empty? The really interesting thing about the mind is that it's habitual in its thought and its thinking and its tone of thought. So if we are always getting triggered, if we are always upset and we honestly, we're starting to work through it and we, we're making the changes we need to make, there's another layer. And this is, again, this isn't toxic, but where we start to say like, in which way, in which ways are there room? Is there room to enhance my gratitude of life? Gratitude is one of those things that has been researched and peop- and a gr- like a solid gratitude practice really does help to change our brains. It because our brains are wired to always seek out the negative and this is a survival mechanism. This is so that, you know, back in the day when we were running through the forest, if it's primed to seek the negative, it's primed to see 
the tiger hiding in the bush, you know, or the threat to our survival, the thing that's bad. But our brains still do that now. And instead of it looking for the tiger in the forest, it's looking for, you know, signs of passive, you know, passive aggression in an email, or it's looking for evidence that we are unworthy of something. It's primed for negativity. And that is annoying, but it is a reality. That's just the way that we're designed. But if we know that and really just, it can bring some context into why we might be struggling with our mindset and why we might be feeling a certain way. Because if we're primed for that, it means that we're primed for that. We're going to feel negative more often. And gratitude and stepping into gratitude is one of the ways that we can start to train our brain to seek out evidence of positive things in our life, things that are going well. And that's really, really empowering. When we get to that place and we are finding our own unique flow, our own unique balance, where we have really learned how to take care of ourselves fully, we know how to work through our emotions, we know how to honor ourselves, we know how to decipher the messages of our emotions and apply the logic that our adult brains have, our, you know, our parent brain has, and then we can add in the layer of gratitude on top of it. I personally believe that's the secret sauce to happiness. And yeah, that's very simplistic. And I'm, I, there's so many different things that go into what would make that challenging for somebody. So I, I am in no means trying to say that this is necessarily simple or easy. It's not at all. And there's a lot of things that can, we would have to work through in the process of doing that. You know, there's trauma, mental health issues, financial hardship, health problems. Like there's so, you know, I'm not trying to oversimplify things. However, I think that I just, my goal with any of, with any of my content is to just shine a light in maybe some areas that do resonate with you where you do see how it could help. (laughs) See, even in my aim here, I'm aiming to not be toxically positive about how not all positivity is toxic, but you know, I just hope that kind of in this big picture, you can kind of see what I'm saying here. You know, in the spirit of not keeping this um, episode too long, I'm going to end it here. But I really hope that with this takeaway, you can see that your emotions are not your enemy and your emotions don't have to run the whole show. They're an ally. They can sit next to you, but don't give them the steering wheel. They alert you when something isn't serving you. They might be alerting you when something is unnecessarily re-traumatizing you. They might be alerting you to something that needs to be healed so that you can look at your life more objectively and you can work through those things. Whether it's with therapy, I always recommend therapy, working with a coach, working, you know, journaling, exercises and grounding ourselves, meditation, doing those things that allow us to build up that confidence in our ability to feel our emotions and to see them clearly. This I think is like the, the real like core of what it means to know ourselves, to like really know who we are. And when we know who we are, we know how to do life (laughs) so much easier. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you found this helpful. If you did share with a friend, uh, share with a family member, If you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so, leaving me a star review and or written review is so helpful and I appreciate it so much. I always love that feedback. I will be back with a new episode for you next Wednesday and I hope you all have a wonderful week. Bye.